Good morning, Bridge of Hope. And we are thankful to be here in the house of God, celebrating New Life Sunday. Uh, our sisters baptized and those who are uh, received into membership today. What a great day this is. As the psalmist says, this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I'd like you to turn with me your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It's a very simple text. This will actually begin, uh, in some sense, what we, a series that we'll be preaching through the remainder uh, of the year leading up into our Christmas season, and that is the Sermon on the Mount. And we begin with these first two verses here today. Matthew chapter five, verses one and two. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. I'd like to speak to you on the topic, why we should leave the crowd. Why we should leave the crowd. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, I thank you today for this day that you have given to us. Thank you for the new life. Uh, that you give to the body when believers come to trust in you are baptized when the church the doors of the church are open and we receive those who you have baptized into the body of Christ by your spirit this is a day in which we rejoice and father I ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit as we call all people who hear your word to leave the crowds and become your disciples Father, today I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict us and challenge us to follow you, to lay down our lives and embrace you as our Christ, our God, our Savior, our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Why we should leave the crowds. So today on New Life Sunday, our next New Life Sunday will be, Lord's willing, uh, the fourth Sunday in August. Um, but today, this fourth Sunday of June, today we all have a choice to make. It is very much similar to the choice that is in the Gospel of Matthew and is between two kinds of followers of Jesus Christ. In the scriptures, there are those that follow Christ and those that oppose Christ. Those that opposed Christ were well known to uh, the hearers or the original uh, audience of our passage of our of the book of Matthew and well known to us in the church. Uh, we've all heard of the Pharisees, the Sadducees and the scribes. They were the religious leaders of Israel. And when Christ came, they opposed him. They rejected his leadership, his lordship, the revelation of God to the world. 
Then you have, of course, the Roman government, uh, unbelievers, the Gentile nations that rejected that a Jewish man could be king. He was a threat to their government and uh, they had no problem getting rid of him and anyone who would threaten their reign. Then we have the spiritual opposition, the opposition of darkness, uh, seen most clearly through the activities of the demons, uh, those fallen spirits of the underworld. They opposed Christ because Jesus came to destroy their works. Demons were unlike the Gentiles and the Roman governments. They actually had power. And they actually knew more clearly who Jesus was than the others. But they were responsible for the brokenness and the fallenness of this world. And Jesus came to destroy them. So they opposed him. Now, if you are listening to this message today, it is quite likely that you are probably not a part of the religious establishment, uh, more interested in your religious positions and titles than God. You may, uh, but it's, it's quite likely that you're not. It is likely that you uh, do know about Jesus. You are not in that category like the Gentiles and the Roman government who didn't even have an understanding of who Jesus could be. They just rejected him uh, because they wanted to keep their own power. Uh, in all likelihood, you are more familiar with Jesus than they. You probably hear the word and accept it as God's word. It is possible. It is probable. You know of Jesus and know that he was born of a virgin, know that he died a sin, lived a sinless life, died a innocent death on our behalf and was raised in newness of life. So you are definitely not like the Pharisees and not like the Gentiles. And in your intentionality, not like the demons who know that Jesus raised from the dead, but are trying to stop his kingdom. You are probably not intentionally trying to stop Christ from reigning. It is quite likely that you fall into one of two categories. Um, and in, according to our text, the categories are, in some sense, followers of Christ. Uh, these followers are categorized as either the crowd or the disciples of Jesus. The crowd, those who were hearing and listening to Jesus and following him, or the disciples, those who heard him, believed him, followed him, obeyed him trusted in him. They both have a favorable and positive view of Jesus. If you read um, Matthew chapter four, you would see of the, of the crowd, they, 
they were crying out to Jesus for help and Jesus was delivering them and healing them and and uh, touching their bodies. They were following him from city to city. So were his disciples hearing him, following him city to city. However, the two groups are worlds apart. And I want to say today, you need to know what kind of follower of Christ you are. Are you like those following him in the crowd? Are you like those following him as his disciples? I want to tell you today, if you are like those who are associated with the crowd, you have a positive view of Christ, you listen to him, you you are not antagonism towards him, but you are not his disciple. I want to say to you, and I want to speak clearly to you today, you should leave the crowd and become his disciple. Matthew 4 helps us see why we should all become his disciples. And I think we kind of see it, and it is this. The disciples understand that Jesus is their good news. In the fourth gospel, in the fourth chapter of Matthew, uh, Jesus has just come out of the water where he was baptized by John the Baptist. When he came out of the water at the end of chapter three, he, the heavens open, uh, the, the, the symbol of the Holy Spirit comes, rests upon him like a dove. And the Bible tells us the Father, God in heaven, is revealed to us as the Father. And he speaks to Jesus, the Son, and says, you are my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And we get this image of, of the Father, of God, our Creator, as a loving God who loves his Son and who rejoices in the purpose of which his Son has come into this world. What a wonderful image of the Father and the Son. And then the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness and he leads him into the wilderness for this purpose because Jesus has come to destroy the works of the devil and so he goes in the wilderness to confront the devil or to be confronted by the devil and to defeat the devil in the place where the devil feels like he's got the upper hand he can tempt Jesus and and destroy the son of man the son of God in addition to the creation and so here we have the good news Jesus overcomes the devil the same devil that tempted Adam and Eve in the garden is the same devil that Jesus has overcome. So he is the son of God in whom the father loves. He is the son who is proven to be victorious over the devil. And now he comes to the world and says, as verse 17 in chapter four says, the time has come, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is now. Remember in Genesis where we get to the end of chapter three, 
and the Garden of Eden, which represent, which, which, which really is heaven on earth, has is closed. There's an angel there, a serf with, with a sword. You can't enter in because of your sin. Here comes the Son of God, the creator of the heavens and earth, who comes in the form of man, not to say that heaven is closed, but to say it's time to come back home. I am opening up heaven. You just have to repent and acknowledge that you have been living away from God and now turn towards him and I will open up heaven to you. Heaven is in your midst because I am the king. The good news is Jesus. And Jesus preaches this to his disciples and we see in chapter 4 particularly starting at verse 18 where he's walking by the sea of Galilee and he sees two brothers Simon and Andrew and he tells them follow me follow me the son of God follow me the Lord follow me the one who's victorious over the devil and I will make you a fisher of man and the Bible tells us they immediately followed him go down to verse 21 and 22 and there's these two brothers, the sons of Zebedee, James and John. And he says to them, follow me. And immediately they follow him. They left their nets. They were fishermen. They left their father on the boat and they followed Jesus. Now, it's interesting. Uh, it almost seems like they just heard about Jesus and Jesus said, follow me. And they just said, wow, okay, I'll follow you. Doesn't that sound odd? Someone walks up to you in Walmart and says, follow me. Here you call the police and say, this one's crazy. I'm not following it. I don't know you. Get out of here. But when we go to some of the other scriptures, go to John chapter one with me, we'll recognize that this was not their first interaction with Jesus. John chapter 29, we hear John the Baptist pointing to his disciples and says, this man, that one right there, he is the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. And then he tells them that that's the one that I saw, that I baptized and I saw the heavens open and the spirit descended. So this is not just Jesus who has told Matthew, uh, his disciple, Matthew is not just recounting uh, what he heard Jesus. John is recounting what John the Baptist told all of his followers and who he pulled, he told his followers, stop following me. That's the Lamb of God. That's the Son of God. That's the one the heavens were open to. That's the one the fathers claim. And he has come for you because he loves you and he's come with the blessing of heaven. And you need to know that God loves you. He's opening up heaven. If you turn towards him, he's going to receive you he will take away your sins so whatever is holding you back from God he is the one that can take it away and so they according to John chapter 1 verses 29 to 25 they recognize he is the Lord and over months and almost a year 
they've been listening to him and 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 hearing John the Baptist and listening to Jesus and and considering what's happening in their heart they're convicted in their life and then we come to Matthew chapter 4 where it's 19 where he literally comes up to them and he says here's this this is a moment that you've got to consider I am the son of God I am the one who has victory over the devil I am the savior of the world. I am the king of the kingdom. Follow me. And the disciples recognize Jesus is good news. Jesus is the king. He's opened up the kingdom of God to us and we have reason to follow him. As I thought about that passage, I was taken back to the epistle of Titus chapter uh, three, verses three to seven, where it says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, the washing of regeneration and renewal of the spirit, Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our savior. They recognized in Jesus the goodness and kindness of God, the good news. And they followed him. The disciples followed Jesus because they recognized this is the best news we can ever have. God has come to us. We know him. We felt it in our heart, but we believe him and we're following him. You've got to leave the crowds, my friend. If you have come to recognize Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the one we should trust in. He's truth. He's not my truth or your truth. He is truth. He is the son of God. He is the savior of the world. He's the lamb of God. He's the king of the kingdom. I've got to follow him. I want you to see also why you should leave the crowd. The disciples figure out something that the crowd didn't. Jesus is worth devoting and committing our entire life to him. You see in chapter four, and after they have repented, because remember Jesus pre preached, repent for God's kingdom is here. I am the king is the message he's saying, and I've come to lead you back to the father. And they believe, they've heard it, they've meditated it, they thought, he's taught them, he, they've been with them. And now he comes to them and says, will you follow me? It's time to follow me. Jesus gives us an opportunity, but he doesn't just give us an opportunity. He gives us a calling. It is time now. Follow me. And they listen to the fact that Jesus is saying, my kingdom. It's here for you to enter into. They follow him. 
I want you to think about that. They left business, the career, their fishermen. They followed him and they followed him who said, I've got a kingdom greater than anything in this world, greater than any business you've got. They follow him when Jesus says, follow me and I'm going to change your life. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to take you from where you are. In fact, I'm going to bring you into my mission where you're going to enlarge the kingdom of God with people who will be with you and who will know me and will follow me and will live the life they were created for. They left everything they had Chapter five, verse one says, Jesus climbed the mountain after looking at the crowds and said, okay, let me speak to my people. Let me speak to my disciples. And he sat down and when he sits down, it's a seat, it's a place of authority. When, when a teacher sits in that culture, that, that's, that's the place where he speaks his most authority with more power and more credibility. And they climb up to the mountain and they draw close to him and they listen. The crowds come but to hear, but they don't come so close because they are not committed. They have not found in him to be worth committing to. But the disciples have recognized, I am nothing without the Lord. And this is very important because they have listened to Jesus and they have found Jesus is worth giving their all to because he is the king. I want to turn to you, Matthew chapter nine. Jesus says something very powerful about the crowds. In verse nine, verse 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus saw the crowds, he, even though they followed him, he understood who they were and who they were not. They were following him for what he could give them. They could follow him for right now, but they did not understand who he was and what he was offering. And they were therefore in a kingdom under the harassment of the devil. And he, Jesus says of them, they were like sheep without a shepherd. They had no king. They had no Lord. They had no God. The disciples have a God, have a king, and he's worth laying everything down for. Can I say something to you? Because Jesus is worth laying everything down for, you should come from out among the crowds, those who just listen and come and give him everything. And when I say give him everything, give him the most important thing, yourself. Give him yourself. Start making decisions by asking whether or not does this please Jesus? By asking Holy Spirit, is this grieving you? By asking, Lord, do you take pleasure in what I'm doing and who I'm becoming and what and, and, and what you are making me? Can I say, Lord, I look back and I see your hands in my life. And that is what is the true instigator, the catalyst of what I'm becoming. Follow Jesus. In one place, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. It will seem at times as if you'll die, but it's worth it following me. The crowd 
should follow Jesus because Jesus has a special family for you. I want to notice something in chapter four and chapter five that's very interesting. And that is the disciples did life together with Christ. You rarely see the disciples alone in just isolation from one another. They are with one another with Christ. Look at chapter 19, chapter four, verse 19, where Jesus is speaking to Simon, Peter and Andrew. Then verses 21 and 22, he calls James and John. Then look at verse chapter five, verse one. He sees the crowd and he went up on the mountain and he sat down and who comes to him? His disciples, not just a disciple, his disciples. They seem to be together regularly with Jesus. Look at chapter six, verse nine, where Jesus begins and teaches his disciples how to pray. And what does he say in verse nine? He says, this is how you should pray. Our father in heaven. He, he says, I want you to recognize that my father is your father. And when you are praying, you are praying with other people who are calling to the same father. You have a family. He, we are his children and he is our father. We have a family when we are his disciples. We're living life together. In fact, if you look in that prayer, look at verse 11. He said, give us this day our daily bread. He says in verse 12, forgive us our debts. And then he says in verse 13, concerning the temptation that the enemy brings, he said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In other words, we are not living in this life alone. You're not going through your struggles alone. You can't go to your temptations alone. You can't go through the worst days of your life alone. God gives you a special family who are with you, with him. Leave the crowds because while the crowd seems comfortable and while the crowd seems they're nice to you, the crowd is not able to go to God with you. The crowd can't pray you through. The crowd can't lay hands on you. The crowd can't sit with you and know with faith that God will deliver. They can, they have hope that God may visit, but they don't know Christ and the Father as God for them. No, you got to leave the crowd and become his disciples to have that kind of confidence. Because you belong to him. I love it. Matthew 5 and 1, his disciples, his disciples came to him. We are coming to him. We are praying together. We're hanging out together and yeah, sometimes we're not doing anything spiritual. But even in those moments, hey man, why, listen, watch that joke. Hey, how's your family doing? How's your kids? I want to pray about that. Hey, you have anything you need? Got anything? They had a two for one. Can I pick you up something? No, no, no. You don't have to pay me. You're my brother. You're my family. Hey, thanks for looking out for family. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Disciples have a family. 
Matthew chapter 5, 1 and 2, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he differentiates in a very real sense between the disciples and the crowds. His disciples come to him. The crowds are close enough to hear, but step no further to be able to follow. But I want to touch something here that's very important. The disciples have an enduring hope that the crowd just doesn't have. If you look back at chapter four, Jesus is going to the synagogue, city after city, healing the sick, delivering them from various diseases and pains, those oppressed by the demons, seizures, paralysis. They're following him because they want to be near him. Maybe he'll touch them again. Maybe he'll do something else for them. The disciples are just with Jesus because they're in his kingdom. He is their Lord. He is their king. He is God, the face of God. There's a relationship that they don't have, the crowd, that disciples have. And because of that, when the crowd is at their worst, they are uncertain about their future and their present. If you turn with me to Matthew 9 and 36, I read that again, but I want to look at it one more time. When Jesus looked at the crowds, he had compassion on them. In other words, his heart was broken when he saw the true state of those who are just listening and coming around, coming along, but they're not with Jesus. He says they are harassed of the devil and they are helpless and they are without a shepherd. They have no hope. What can you do if the devil is oppressing you? What can you do if he's abusing you? What can you do when you have no shepherd? The Bible lets us know that the Lord is our shepherd. The Bible doesn't say that disciples will not go through trouble. In fact, in where God, in that passage in Psalm 23, where he says, the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. He said, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, we'll go through struggle too, but the Lord is with us. The Lord is our defender. The Lord is our protector. The Lord is our shepherd. Psalm 34 verse 19 says, you will have afflictions. In fact, it goes on to say, don't think that the difference between the crowd and the disciples is that you have, they have afflictions and the believers don't. No, the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but you have this blessed hope, this true assurance. The Lord will deliver us from them all. No matter what's going on, he'll deliver you in this life and he'll deliver it. He'll deliver you out of it in the life to come. God is the deliverer. God is a helper. No wonder that same Psalm puts it like this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. What am I tasting to see? What am I hoping to see? What Romans chapter eight, verse 28 says. I'm trusting God. That no matter what my struggles are, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. 
In other words, the hope that the disciple has is that when I'm going through hardship, nothing I'm going through will be wasted by God. God has a purpose in it all. But when I'm just a crowd and I'm not following him and I've got no Lord, I've got no king, I have not surrendered my all, I have not followed Christ and, ye- and left the world behind, I'm insecure, I'm wondering, what about this? Does God hate me? Is this happening because of what I did? I, there's all this, the devil is just harassing us. But when you follow Jesus, the Lord is with you. Today, my friend, as we celebrate those who are coming into the kingdom of God and they're manifesting that by giving us the testimony of baptism. Baptism did not save them. They are baptized today because they have given themselves to Christ who has redeemed them. And those who are redeemed are coming into the body of Christ, coming into the church of God as members, local church. They are already in his church. But they're coming into Bridge of Hope family because they recognize we are disciples of Jesus. We, we, we are not just free agents here and there. No, we are his disciples. Together we live life together and follow him. My friend, you have great reason to leave the crowds and follow him. And I want to say this to those online. Some of you are online and you are in the crowd. And, and being online is not an excuse. You've got to follow him. You've got to ask yourself, has Christ revealed himself to me to be the Lord, my God, my redeemer? And, and I must do something with that, un, that re- revelation, that unveiling of truth. I've got to follow him. Follow the Lord, my friend. Follow him now. can't live in isolation. I'm just going to sit here and watch TV and just get my praise on. No, you you still have to do life with the body of Christ. You still have to know the brothers and sisters in the Lord and follow and pray together and trust God together and encourage one another and love one another and glorify Christ together. You must leave the crowd. Climb up that mountain and sit in the presence of Jesus and follow him. Will you do that today? Will you do that? Will you come to the place where you recognize you can't stay far from God? He has a greater purpose that you would live and abide in his kingdom. Come, follow him. And some of you think I'm saying that to the person who's never heard of Christ, never been in church. No, some of you have been in church a long time, grew up in church. Some of you could even be members, but you haven't followed him. For whatever reason, I'm not going through all the story. You need to come to grips. Are you just a crowd? Are you just one following from afar? Are you there listening and hearing and agreeing, but not trusting in him? not obeying in him, not rejoicing in him, not hearing him, not joining the mission of Christ. That's the disciple. Matthew 4, 19, follow, trust and follow him and he will transform you and make you a disciple of people, a fisher of men, he said. 
Father, today I pray this new life that you are offering, we cannot take it for granted as if it's just another option, another good thing. No, this is the most supreme gift in the world, more important than anything else we have, than anything else. So much so that your disciples would leave what they have because Christ says, follow them. Lord, today, you who reveal yourself, convict us by the Holy Spirit that we might trust and follow you. Listen to you, join the body, hear your word, tell others about you, and go where you send us. Do what you call us to. Rejoice in who you are and know that your promises for now and tomorrow are yes and amen. They are sure. May we leave this crowd and come close as your disciples. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.